0: This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I am your host, Tim Trockenbroke. With me as always is Brian Travis, and we are excited to be back after a short little break there in the summer, uh, wrapping up the model year 2021 changes. And we've got a very special guest today, um, Really, he's a Phoenix family member. Darrell Gleason out of Louisiana. Um, excited to have him on and talk about his uh, his rookie season, even though he's not really a rookie, uh, and fishing in the opens this
2: year. Yeah, when I mean, you talk about a Phoenix family member, I mean, you think about it. Um, you know, the, the company started in two thousand eight. Had the first Phoenix built. You know, eighteen months after that, and uh, so Daryl had ten now. He's on his tenth boat. So when you talk about a family member, he really has been a part of the family for a long time. Um, and, and I'm really interested to pick his brain on his uh Toledo Bend Lunker Bass program. How many you said he's got seven?
1: He's got seven, it's quite an impressive trophy collection.
2: That is, and uh, you know, I can only imagine with him guiding down there, I'm sure that's a big feather in the hat. You know, it helps the guide service.
1: Oh, it definitely does. And, and back to him, even um, uh, he ran 721s when they first came out, and then he's been a, a 921 man for uh, better part of a decade, uh, probably approaching that mark here this year or next. So, um Excited to have him on. He's been traveling, doing the camping thing with his wife, um, but he had his rookie year on the FLW uh, title series. Yep. Um, Had a pretty good year. Had a great year. (laughs) One spot out of the title event and then uh, fishing the Opens and uh, actually even doing a uh, Toyota series. So guys definitely busy traveling all over the place and then still working for for some of his sponsors too. Um, He is on the water I know today – So we will get him on the line to see what he's up to, how practice is going, and uh, check in with Mr. Gleason.
2: All right, let's call him up. All right, buddy. At Phoenix Boats, our passion for fishing is obvious. Whether it's a pro event or fishing with our family and friends. We truly love the sport of fishing. That's why our goal is to make every single Phoenix boat that goes out the door, the best fishing platform it can be in both design
1: and construction. We love to fish as much as anyone, and we believe it shows in every boat we build. Phoenix Boats, built by anglers for anglers. Welcome back, folks. We've got with us on the line Bassmaster Open winner, classic qualifier, FLW Tour Angler, Mr. Daryl Gleason, the Terror, out of Mandy, Louisiana.
0: What's up, fellas? Appreciate y'all having
1: me out. Man, we are glad to have you. We appreciate you fitting us in. I mean, fishing uh, FLW Tour and going back and forth between that and Opens and working events. I mean, you're just a, you're a hard man to get a hold of.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I tell people that when they say you get paid to go fishing, mine's different. I get paid when I catch fish. (laughs) I'm actually over here, uh, in Gatson, Alabama, just, uh, scouting around a little bit over here on Neely Henry. I had to uh, work the uh, Toyota owners event this weekend with uh, the good folks at dynamic sponsorships. And so thought I'd just kind of cruise over here and look at the lake a little bit since I've never seen it.
2: So with a schedule as hectic as yours right now, when do you sleep?
0: Um, I sleep really good. Usually about 10 minutes after dark, my wife's fed me, and I'm ready to go to bed in our little camper. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that's not it, – it's been a, a busy year for me, especially being my rookie year on tour, and I'm doing the Opens, uh, just one division, and also a division of the Toyota Series. And, uh, and I had the Classic as well. So I, I've, like – piled in a lot of events but but man i've been guiding back on you know eight or nine years and um you know at one point i was actually driving an hour each way back and forth to the lake as well so it you know fishing a lot of days is nothing new to me uh Mm -hmm. it's it's really it's hurting my golf game though and that's what i'm really concerned about
1: you got plenty of years to do that later on
0: yeah that's kind of how uh you sound like you've been educated by my wife i can play golf (laughs) at some other time if i catch them good enough i could retire even sooner and play golf well there you go
2: well and what's funny is how many anglers we talk to that are eat up with golf i would have never really thought it until we got to talking to everybody
0: well that just shows you how demented we all really are because like they're, they're very similar they're both very mental games and all that kind of stuff but uh, honestly for me it's just like to to be able to get off the water and and do something non-fishing related but yet still competitive because we're all a bunch of sickos and we want to compete at everything
2: yeah now you mentioned you you're calling the camper and pass out you, you so you're doing the camping thing is there anybody you run with and camp with
0: uh not particular uh my bride like bless her like dude she's awesome she uh she's towing our camper with like a big dually and all that stuff and like beginning of this year she couldn't even back my boat in and now backing the boat in's easy so so the camper thing for us, obviously, like we we love it, dude. I'm kind of a homebody person. So it's taking that aspect out of the travel, you know. I feel like I'm at home. But the uh the biggest reason we did that is my wife is uh very high risk for coke. And uh she has a she was born with cystic fibrosis which is a lung disease. And so uh, the whole part of me doing this for this year and not years in the past, is we waited till we could do it together. And and so like we're kind of a team. I want her with me and So when all the COVID stuff started and and got rolling or whatever, I mean, like literally a week before the tour started back in May, we were going to Chickamauga and like a week before, like we shot for like two months and I like pulled the trigger, like we're getting one because you're coming with me. And, and so it's kind of like our little COVID headquarters, you know, like we can keep her safe and all that stuff. And we didn't realize uh, how much we would really honestly love it. Me, her and the dog travel everywhere together and, you know, it's it's awesome. I, I wish I'd done it five years ago, to be honest. I love having her with me.
1: No, that's solid. Um, so you mentioned it, first year on the tour, rookie season. What do you give it – give it a grade. You are You used to be a teacher. Give it a letter grade for last year.
0: Uh, you know, we're all um, – from the business perspective, I'm going to say it was probably a, a B-plus being my first year out there. I think I got four out of six checks. From a competitive perspective – I'm gonna give myself like a uh, I give myself a, a chance at Rayburn, the very first event. I give myself a chance, and uh, and just couldn't, you know, get that one or two extra big bites I needed to win that thing. And and I've been, even though it's my rookie year on tour, I have been around the game for a while. Oh, absolutely, hard. It is getting those chances. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the frustrating part was I just made a few, uh, I say a few, probably a mile of mental errors just in decision making stuff like that like i did okay some of the new lakes getting around fish uh just some of my timing was off and things like that and so uh from the competitive standpoint you know like there's probably very few guys that give themselves a honestly because you know i feel like you're always learning and trying to get better and so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm always on the competitive side give myself a lower grade but pull that part out pull your heart out and your competitive drive and all that from the business standpoint you know it could have been a much worse you know, being my first year for me. And, and look at, uh, like Wisconsin, I got the very last $10,000 check or whatever, like, fished my tail off and got it by an ounce. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that, that watch this stuff from afar, they don't, they don't know that ounce or two, how much of a difference that can make in your season, you know, from, from business standpoint, from points and all those things. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, I ended up being the first guy out of the title, the championship. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a kick in the butt or whatever. It kind of sucked, but it's one of those things. I didn't control all the controllables at, at our last event. I come in 2 fish shy of a limit, and had I caught just one more, I'd have made it. So, you know, those things kind of drive you. Like, your failures, to me, um, either make you quit or push you harder. And I've always been a guy that, like, they just kind of push me harder. I, I don't know what I like more, like winning a tournament or or how much I hate – Losing. <laughs> Does that makes sense?
1: Yeah, no, I can like, answer that. I, I hate losing more than I like winning.
0: Right. Like, if I, if I do well in a tournament, we kind of we live it up for a day or two or whatever, and we're happy and all that. But there's so many events going on with the next one. But, dude, if I lose one, it's all I think about for weeks. Like, I'm still talking about, you know, Rayburn in January or, or Rayburn two weeks ago or whatever in mm-hmm. the open. You know, like, they, they live with you. But I, I just think you can't let it beat you down, but you also can't forget about your failures because I think they push you.
2: So being your rookie season, I know you fished for a long time and you fished competitively for a while, but that first blast off, that first morning of your rookie season on tour,
0: you got yeah. butterflies going on? Oh, absolutely, dude. Like I told my wife, I felt like I could, I was running like 25 miles my first spot. I felt like I could park my boat and run on water like Jesus or something. I was <laughs> so fired up, dude. Yeah. I, and I mean, how do you not be? And, and honestly, that, that don't go away. This, uh, this last event. Uh, at Rayburn for the Open, I was leading after day two, and like I'm, I was like literally yelling when I took off and stuff. So pumped up, you know, yelling and stuff. So I mean, who doesn't <laughs> get that way, dude? I think if you lose that edge, you just need to go to the house.
1: Now, you put up a, a pretty impressive performance there, 27 on that day too. Uh, walk us through a little bit. What was the game plan going in to that Open?
0: Yeah, so so I, I'm a deep guy. I like to fish offshore. And, uh, for whatever reason, like the groups over there at Rayburn, uh, you know, just wasn't showing up or whatever it's, it's been, you know, like uh, all the COVID stuff has been great for the fishing industry and Rayburn gets tons and tons and tons. Mm -hmm. tons And so all that was a major factor. I think those, those obvious groups on the points and humps and all that just get beat up. So, um, honestly, I think I flipped grass for maybe an hour other than that in practice. I just looked deep and looked deep. And so, it ended up being a, a brush pile deal, really all the top guys. That's, that's what most of them were doing. And, uh, so I decided to, I found, I did find a couple of groups where I could catch some keepers. And so when I got the feeling down in life, I'd go catch a few keepers. But other than that, I just tried to really fish for big bites, knowing that I wasn't going to get many big bites mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like I, that's one of those things I think on paper. Like, I've had some very close friends say, hey, man, you feel like you let one get away from you. Because I, I had, like, a one-pound lead going in the last day, but uh, I didn't let anything get away from me, dude. I got so fortunate. I had three giant bites in the first two days. On, on yeah. day two, I had 27 pounds and some change, and I had 2, two nine-pounders. And, I mean, you know, if you live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. Mm-hmm. You can't count on nine-pounders, man. I don't, nah. don't care who you are. That's it's amazing so uh but yeah day one and day two they both kind of went the same like I had small limits after lunchtime uh day one I caught one probably over eight and that got me up to 17 pounds I think I had one other decent one that day maybe three and a half uh day two I had eight or nine pound limit at like 12 30 and I, I hit a pile and I caught two three and a half pounders and ran to another pile and I caught one almost nine and hit another pile and caught one over overnight and so You know, at the end of the day, when you weigh it in, everybody's like, oh, Lord, he figured him out. That dude is dialed in. And then if any any of the people uh, listen and watch the coverage on Saturday, they're like, how did this guy get here? You know, it (laughs) was a very – that brush pile game is a very high-risk, high-reward deal, man. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even the brush piles were getting beat to death. So – you You're not promised any bites or whatever, so I stuck to my game plan. I actually don't have any regrets on that one. uh, maybe I should have on the last day ran more brush piles and just kept hitting trying to find fresh stuff but um uh, you know it is what it is i I had a football jig in my hand the whole time, and if if you'd have told me I would have the lead going the last day and and throwing a football jig around brush piles, look I'll take my chances with that. It'll work out or it won't mm-hmm. and so. But it was a pretty tough event, man. I actually have another event over there coming up, Toyota Series. And so maybe some of this cool front and stuff to get over there and we'll catch them a little better than that.
2: So I've got a question. You touched on something. You said yeah. you had some brush piles that you felt like when you were getting down on yourself, you could go grab a keeper, but you were throwing for big bites. Describe what that what that looks like to you. Everybody's got a little different idea yeah. of that. But when you're going and looking for your big bites, what are you throwing? What, what's your go-to to get that big bite?
0: I'm kind of a football jig guy. Uh, I throw a three-quarter ounce. Uh, I throw a, a V&M uh, three quarter ounce football jig, and we actually have a color we call Gleason's Candy. Uh, it's kind of a green pumpkin candy red. Um, just it's something I have a lot of confidence in, and I think when you're in one of those those tournaments, you know, I call kind of a snuggle struggle. You know, even though the weights were pretty good at Rayburn, most of the guys weren't getting tons of bites. It wasn't like we was all catching forty keepers a day. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm in a snuggle struggle, I want something. I have confidence in it, and to, to really, especially brush paw fishing, you want something you can really pull through there slow. And, uh, you know, some guys I I know are throwing worms and doing some other things and there's always other ways to do it, but I feel like anytime you're in a tough tournament, whether it's shallow or deep, you need something that you have confidence in because you're going to slow down, fish it thoroughly. And, um, for me, it takes one of the factors out instead of like jerking up and grabbing another rod every 10 minutes, I just lock something in my hand. And you know, obviously, I have some experience at Rayburn, and so I know if I keep hitting piles and running jig, what happened on day two could happen very easily at any moment. You know,
1: mm-hmm. so were you two rod uh, Todd now, like, in that tournament? You just have two on the deck?
0: No, I actually had a few more out because I did. I did have a few like kind of guide schools I call them like little keeper schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, like on on the third day, I mean that's that's the only way I caught fish. I would stop on some of them if no one was on them. You know it was a Saturday at Sam Rayburn. So there's a lot of people fishing. Right. So some, some of my key piles, I, you know, I never got to even fish or whatever, because there's a lot of folks out, but, um, so no, I had like a drop shot in a Carolina rig, um, a couple of things like that to where if I, if I wanted to stop on like a keeper spot, you know, I'd stop and check it out. And then, uh, you know, in practice, I actually did catch a few on the Carolina rig around some of the brush, uh, when they're, when they're kind of set up more on the outside edge, I could catch a few on that, but it seemed like in the tournament when that pressure got to them, they just got up in the cover and locked up, you know. Right. And so you had to you had to be really precise for your cast and and like make sure you hit the brush pile every cast. And I mm-hmm. think that's something I feel like that gets overlooked in the brush pile game. A lot of people, you know, I'd say offshore in general, just from folks I've guided and been with teaching electronics and things. Like, you know, once you do all your work and find your fish on your graph and you realize like there they are, or like in this case, we're fishing a structure spot. Like, I want every cast to go right there. There's mm-hmm. no fish out and about. Like, I've done my work. I know they are. So, I just think that whole little system for me got me in that position. You know, obviously, we wish it worked out different on Saturday because we're greedy. But um, the well, biggest can't... thing in that tournament, man, I wanted to leave there, like, high in points and give myself a a, a chance going forward to, to see what I can do the rest of the season.
1: Well, I think you definitely didn't close that door. You got it open for sure. Um, right. I mean, you've been doing the Opens, doing the Toyotas, doing the Tour. Are you taking any yeah. guide trips right now?
0: No, actually, I have not done many this year. Um, you know, like, we were actually home, like, March to May during, uh, like, when all the COVID stuff was kind of at its height. And, uh, you know, like, like, honestly, I know everyone, that's kind of been, like, a hot topic for people. But, uh, you know, for folks like me who, who have someone they care about uh, who's high risk, We've, we've just been, you know, extra careful who were around and stuff. And so, you know, I was a little nervous about having people in the boat and things like that. And, and so was my wife. So we just decided to, uh, to not do that. And so I kind of transitioned over, uh, I've been doing my electronics teaching and stuff. I actually like transitioned over and, and started doing it online. I have like a, on my website, like a way people can go check it out and join and all that. So I kind of transferred over to do that. I really only done a couple guy trips, um, that really wasn't planned this year, man. Like mm-hmm. you know, I planned on guiding when I was home, like I always do. It uh, it's just one of the things. Just had a, uh, you know, one thing about twenty twenty. I think we can all agree is that you're going to survive. You got to learn to roll with the punches, and so that's kind of what we've done. But I am looking forward to to getting back on the water with uh, my customers and stuff, man. We have a ball. So,
1: how hard is that to guide as a tournament angler? Like knowing that you may have a tournament that may be coming up in a week or two. I mean. You want to have a good guide Uh, trip, but you don't want to give up the juice.
0: Right. And and that's then, you know, it took me a while to learn that. Like I was obviously when when you earn your living guiding and then you're trying to tournament fish as well in the same water sometimes, um, you know, it it wasn't always perfect, but what I've, what I've done now is either a, if I have a big tournament coming up, I won't do a guide trip Mm -hmm. because I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in a position or any customers in a position to, uh, you know, for a bad day, just can't do that when people are paying their hard-earned money to you, you can't go lay up and then go wreck them on the weekend. You know, right. it just, it's not great. And, uh, you know, actually one time very early in my career, um, I didn't lay up. Like I had some customers, we went out, we caught some fish, had a good time, everybody's happy. And then that following week, or that weekend, a couple of days later, I, uh, man, I, it, was, it was similar to like what I talked about this weekend. I caught like two giants in a tournament. I had like a nine and an eight. Mm-hmm. This was a uh, ABA weekend series, and uh, I ended up winning a tournament. And and these particular customers were not real thrilled that I went and won that tournament after we had fished together. You know, because we didn't catch any giants with them. In all fairness, we caught a lot of fish, and I think we may have caught like a couple threes, a four, and a six, and stuff like that. Well, those of us that fish a lot understand that's still a pretty good day, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't just uh, you know I wish I was that good that I could just say today I'm going to go catch two over eight, but so anyways, I, I learned a hard lesson there, even though I, I know I'm a hard, I didn't do those, those fellows wrong. I just learned, you know, either don't do a trip or go to like, I can go to Sam Raven or Toledo. They're only an hour away, but, but all honestly, I've done it long enough now and built up enough of a customer base and all those things. If I have a big tournament, I'm usually preparing for the tournament. And um, so I don't give up the juice or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: So you'd mentioned early on in your career, before you took over full-time in the fishing industry, you were a
0: teacher, correct? Yeah, man, it seems like a a lifetime ago, but yeah, I actually taught junior high school for uh, seven years, and uh, then I took sabbatical to finish up my master's, and of course, I fished, I actually fished the Opens two or three years at that point, and fished, you know, BFLs, weekend series, and team tournaments, and all that stuff, so I had the dream, but when I took sabbatical, I needed a way to kind of earn a little income, so I decided to start trying to guide a little bit. And, uh, and I never went back to teaching. I finished my master's that year and transitioned to the guy thing full time. You're
2: so, a brave soul doing junior high. I'm, I'm telling you, I think, I think junior uh, high is harder than other You got hormones raging and attitudes and man. Yeah. It,
0: it, it's one of those things I wasn't a brave soul. I was just ignorant, but <laughs> really the brave souls are the, the, the teachers that, man, that, that stick it out and, and do it a long time. You know, like some of the, some of the folks I worked with, they, they were awesome, man. Like whenever, you know, I kind of had one foot out the door. I think everybody knew that. You know, I was I was ready to transition to something else. You can almost see it in their eyes. They're like, "Go live, go live, man, get out here. <laughs> Don't look, look back." <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a hard profession, man, and the, and the people that do it honestly, they just they have the heart to do it. And because um, I, I will say this, it did it did keep me young longer than I should have. And and you do get to be around a lot of good situations, and and you feel like you you do make some changes in some lives, but, but yeah, it helped turn my hair gray a little earlier. That's for sure, man. That <laughs> that age group was wild, dude.
1: What, what subjects?
0: Um, I was, uh, like a business teacher. So I did like, uh, computer, like computer classes I actually taught keyboard in the first year, like typing and, uh, the home essays. row keys. Yeah. Yeah. I was that guy like typing paper over their hands <laughs> and yelling, look up and all that stuff. And so, uh, I mostly done that, but I did uh, do some remedial math and PE, and coach girls basketball and help with boys basketball, football. You know, like kind of if you know all my teachers out there that listen to this. If you if you're a younger teacher, you know what I'm talking about. You wear a lot of hats when you're a young teacher because the veterans have done it their whole lives, mm-hmm. so they want out of coaching, they want out of duty, they want out of all of those things. And so, but but it was cool, man. It was a good way to to. Honestly, it helped me because I was off on weekends and holidays. I could spend all the time I wanted to at the lake.
1: Yeah, that summer off is probably not bad either.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the summers now aren't what they used to be. Like mm-hmm.
1: when,
0: when I was in school, we got three months off. Now <laughs> they're only getting two months. So, uh, yeah, it was nice. It, it, it's not a bad way. There's really not much about my career or my life I'd probably changed. It's all, it's flowed how it should.
1: So we go from teaching, we start fishing opens. Then you went full time guiding and opens. Uh, when did you feel like yeah. you really hit? I mean, you've got a big. Uh, what do you got? Like seven of the lunker share program. Yeah, mounts?
0: yeah, I have. Okay, so that's a little program Toledo Bend does. Uh huh. Um, some people confuse it with the Toyota Share Lunker in Texas. That's got to be like a thirteen pounder, certain time of the year. Um, but Toledo Bend, the Lake Association, just a group of volunteers who love the lake, they come up with a lunker program if you catch one over 10 you wait in at one of the uh the marinas that are eligible you know you get a free replica or whatever and so i i have seven of them right now i'm luck. i'm the lucky guy that has the most right now but i got a bunch of good guys breathing down my neck but um mm-hmm. uh, what is neat about that program is it you know it promotes all they do is tag the fish and release it and they jot down some information on a piece of paper it was caught in housing bay in march and so someone catches that tag fish two years later, they can kind of tell, hey, it's getting bigger or or it's getting smaller. So it's a cool program. But just to tell you, like, you know, how things we think we control everything in life, but we don't always do. Like how the Lord will bless you. Uh, My first year full time guiding in four months, I caught three of those 10 pounders. Wow, That's awesome. Yeah, that was just, uh, you know, a cool run for me. But what that done is that really helped. You know, get some PR out there. Got my name in a few articles, and you know, kind of introduce myself. You know, to to the like local fishing world or whatever. And I really felt like that was a huge boost for me to just give me the opportunity at people's business. You know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then once we started getting some people in the boat, Toledo Bend was exploding then, and uh, it was it was incredibly hard. You know, to go out and have a good time with people and put them on fish. So. Um, but I just think things like that, I don't think it's anything about my excellence or none of that. It's just one of those things like, like you know, I put in the time and work and, and, you know, been blessed.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Like, so you you left this career, you started a new one. When did you feel like you as an angler, you as a business, you as your brand felt like you had put a foot in the door and people were taking notice?
0: Um, I'm the kind of guy that I probably... I say I wouldn't feel that way now, to be honest. I was very proud how I built my guide business. Cause I really put in a lot of days on the water. Mm-hmm. I would say about my fourth or fifth year. Um, I could really say like, okay, you know, I've, I've built a good customer base. I have new people calling, things are going well. And uh, you know, really the last two or three years, I, I cut back on the guiding a little bit. So I could really start pushing toward my tournament stuff. Um, but y- you're going to, you're not going to get me to say that I feel like I've made it, you know what Mm I mean? Um, because this game is, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of names that we all used to know that have just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like there's a thin line, whether it's guiding or tournament fishing, um, between success and going back to another career, you know? So if I actually said, Hey, I feel like I made it or, you know, this year was my best. I feel like that'd get me in the wrong mindset. So, um, but yeah, look, I can't say how proud I am and, and excited I am to be getting to do this for a living. I mean, it's it's so many people's dreams. So you have to you have to like understand how fortunate you are to be in this position and just just enjoy it.
2: Well, and I, I think that's awesome, you know, to be humble enough to say you feel like you haven't made it, but at the end of the day, you're fishing the tour, which is something right. that that a huge percentage of anglers won't ever do. The way you're you're fishing in the opens this year, you very well may qualify you know on that side of it and then you've got a, a huge decision to make um which I wouldn't envy somebody having to sit in that but you know to sit back and be humble enough to say you hadn't made it but it's life's looking pretty good from the fishing world
0: yeah I mean um uh, you know I, I'm proud of where I started and where I come from you know like the first several years doing the opens and stuff I was in over my head I was real green you know I'd never really traveled away from Sam Raver and Bend much, and I've just always been one of the guys that like, I, I can handle the whoopings as long as I'm learning from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of jumped in probably a little earlier than I should, or, you know, I may have should have done co-angler a few years or some of those things. You know, I just, we all take a different path to get where we're going. And, uh, you know, this is the path I chose and it's just how I learned. But yeah, I mean, you know, like when I'm on a long drive, do I not sit and reflect on how awesome this year has been and getting to do this and stuff? You know, absolutely. But, you know, again, I wouldn't say that I feel like I've made it, but, but i'm i'm very excited for the opportunities and you know like if i do do well in the next two opens and and am able to make make the elite series you know that's one of those things me and my wife and sponsors and everybody's going to talk about and see but us as anglers i think we're always looking for options just to just to have those options um you know as a blessing but Mm -hmm. you know i can't say thanks enough though for like the FLW staff and all those guys, they were they were awesome to me this year, man. Made me feel at home and uh, treated me great, and all the anglers over there are great. And I don't know if people understand, like, and I'll speak for the Opens and the FLW Pro Circuit this year and, like, the Toyota Series. Like, how good fishermen have got all around the country, man. Like, the fields are savage. They are tough, man. A lot of good anglers in every tournament we fish, so, you know, that's why I'm here at Neely Henry this week putting in a couple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the tournament's not three or four weeks away, Like I feel like i got to put in extra time because the fields are just brutal, man, and dudes can catch them.
1: Oh, yeah. You can't blink on them fellows.
0: No, and it's, it's not getting any easier. I mean, I just think, in general, fishermen are just, we've all, the last several years, gotten a little bit better at mm-hmm. catching them. And so um, it's great for the competition. It's great for the sport, though, to see so many names be competitive. Oh,
1: absolutely.
2: Do you, Do you think the the increased technology and the tools that we have at our disposal are a big a big part of that? Why you're starting to see tougher fields showing up?
0: I do. Um, beyond that, though, because we we all have the capability to get the same technology and keeps the play and field level and all that. Um, I, I think there's an accelerated learning curve now, just due to the amount of live coverage and you know, things you can research on the internet and things like that. So, you know, eight or 10 years ago, that wasn't all available. Like I had to go by the article where Kevin Van Dam said, Hey, I was throwing a 10 XD and a Carolina rig. Well, we all know sometimes the article doesn't match what you see in Mm life. And so there's been a lot of truth revealed about fishing. And I feel like that has helped the learning curve. You know, you, you got so many young guys now who can, and and they're also competitive and stuff, just like us older guys. Uh, you can learn so much so quick from other anglers, just with all the coverage and all those things now, the tournaments and stuff, and that that really helps uh, accelerate the learning curve. You know, and obviously the technology is is a huge factor, and so uh, yeah, I just think overall it's it's doesn't take as long now to get to get seasoned, if that makes sense. There's mm-hmm. a lot more opportunity now and. Uh, as far as coverage and things like that to, to do that. And look, man, there's a lot more, it feels to me anyways, back over in East Texas, Louisiana, there's a lot of tournament trails. So you have a lot of options to to fish and get out there competitively. And ultimately like that's where I learn all my stuff is competing in a tournament. That's where I learned the most. And so, you know, guys now are fishing so many events and keeping up with so many events that it's, it's uh, accelerated the learning curve. And that's why you see, I think in so many of these fields, uh, you just don't know who's going to pop up on top. There's so many guys capable of doing that.
1: No, for sure. Um, how did it feel to fish the classic though? Ten years ago, you you fished Ooh. your first open, and
0: then yeah. you fished a classic. I mean, dude, is amazing. Like, that's awesome. You couldn't put it in a word. Um, it, it like it's a blur. You know, like I wish it would have slowed down for us, but it was that week is so hectic. You you know, I've always heard anglers talk about that. And this particular classic at Gunnersville, we had to drive from Gunnersville to Birmingham every day, for uh, for weighing and stuff. So you had extra three hours of driving. It just felt like that week just went by in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like when I was in contention last week at Rayburn, you know, like on my on my boat ride that morning, I'm you know all fired up. Like those feelings are there, dude. Like what it would mean to make it back to that. That's you know that's the premier event in the sport and uh just to say like i'm one of the several hundred that got to fish it i mean you know that that's something that i'm very proud of and uh you know all those guys that are listening and fishing opens and grinding trying to make it like it's worth it when you Mm -hmm. finally do like it's just an incredible feeling man going up on that stage and, and looking out and seeing my wife and my family and friends there cheering for me and even at takeoff in the mornings it was freezing cold and i had a crew there cheering and screaming and all that for like you know that's just something at some point i'm gonna sit in a rocking chair drinking coffee in the morning and reflect back on and it's still going to give me chills 30 years from now it's it was amazing
1: now rightfully so you should be proud of that. that's something very few people get to do
0: yeah and and like that rayburn you know i understood the pattern i was on could it was boomer bust. you know I, I could not catch them so but i also knew i can make a couple stops like i did the day before and and wreck them and i knew what that would mean for my career to get to go back again you know Mm -hmm. so uh but again that just keeps pushing us i have two more opens this year and so maybe i'll i'll get lucky and pop one of them and make it back but it it was really cool man the the folks at bass like roll up the red carpet for that event and and treat you like royalty and um you know this 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 year was a special year for me to get to do the classic too it was at gunnersville a very famed lake And, like, I think over half the field were first-time classic qualifiers with all the change that went on in the industry. So, you know, it was a cool deal. Um, And now I'll scrap and fight like crazy to get back and do it again.
1: Well, we got a couple more tournaments left, but what else is new for for Daryl Gleason Fishing, Inc., uh, for you and your wife? You got any new projects you're working on?
0: Uh, My wife's always working behind the scenes. I don't know how she does it because she runs her own business as well, and she's always doing stuff for me. So. We, uh, we're starting to try to get some, some YouTube content out. We've been putting a few things on our channel and stuff. So we're working on doing some recaps and some footage and stuff through, through our, our first year traveling like this. Um, and, and we're doing that too. We're, we're trying to not just show videos of me catching fish. Like a lot of it's going to be me talking before and after tournaments. Like, I just want people to understand the journey and, and see what it's all about because, I used to be the guy when I was a school teacher on my lunch break every day, like I'm scrolling through all the podcasts and through all the websites, just trying to soak up all that I can. And that was, you know, something I always wanted to know is like, okay, I see you caught 27 pounds on day two. That's awesome. But I want to know how you got there. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to share some of that on our YouTube page and uh, you know, social media and things like that. Um, That's really all that's, I would say that's new. And uh, between that and doing my, uh my electronics class online uh we've been getting a lot of new folks in that lately and so that's actually a a fun deal because i still feel like i get my my teaching fix you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so we we really been working hard on those things behind the scenes but but you know like a lot of that's credit to my wife because i spend a lot of time out here doing what i'm doing today you know scouting around trying to uh, find a fish and and she helps me so much you know behind the scenes to do that but it uh it's kind of weird though, man. Like normally the fishing season's winding down early mm-hmm. fall. And I mean, like we still have an open in November and if I make the Toyota series championship, it's not till the first week of December. So it's like, we're fishing a lot extra, but back home, we're kind of used to this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Toledo Ben Sam Rayburn, they don't take a month off. There's tournaments all the time. So
2: you talked about that social media stuff. Where can people yeah. find you on all your social media platforms? What's the best way for them to reach it?
0: Uh, best way to find me is just Daryl Gleason Fishing, uh, like, on Instagram and as on Facebook as well. And uh, I believe that is what we're going by on our YouTube channel as well. So, we're just really getting started on the YouTube stuff. Um, I probably should have started that years ago. Like, I'm way behind the game. There's so many guys now that are killing it doing that. But, uh, you know, I just didn't want to... I wanted to make sure I was out traveling and, and felt like I was had my foot in the door a little more before we really started pushing that. So, yeah, I mean, like... We try to have some fun over there. Some of it's serious fishing stuff, and then you'll see a lot of pictures of my dog, Rowdy. And, um, you know, I love actually, uh, my wife doesn't love this, but on Instagram, man, there's nothing better than catching her like, a big old mouthful of food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, going to town and capturing that on video to share with and everybody. I, you know, she, uh, she wishes I would capture her better, but we, we do try to have some fun there, too. But, you know, I look at social media as a way to... Uh, introduce yourself to people and and share your love of the sport and your love of life. And so we we try to keep it fun over there.
1: No, for sure. Um, so nine twenty one. We've been in that for what seven years, eight years now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: you doing another uh, so one that, next year?
0: Yeah, it's hard for me not to go back with the Pro XP again. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, the smartest man at Phoenix told me, "If it's not broke, don't fix it." Um, <laughs> No, I just, I like the layout of the boat, love the ride of the boat. Um, I've had a, I think this is, I'm sitting in my 11th Phoenix.
1: That's what I came up with. Uh, what was it? Three 721s and 921s after yep. that. Yeah. Yep.
0: You've done your research well. Yeah. The first one I had was actually, it was a red and white uh, 721. And for a long time, it was that the picture that you guys had on the website. Mm-hmm.
1: It was, that was uh, uh, one of the first three or four of them.
0: Right. So, yeah. And that's something I guess I would, I would say too, I'm, I'm proud. Like, like, you know, people that follow the industry know uh, on the business side, there's always a lot of change in with sponsors and things like that. And, and I've been proud. I hadn't done a lot of that. Like, I, I feel like I have good relationships with people I work with and, and I've tried to not be one of the guys that change all the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, running 11 Phoenixes is, is something that, that I'm proud of. Oh, but for sure. It, it does make it easy for me. Cause I'm so comfortable with how the boat rides and all those things.
1: Yep, taking another variable out of the equation.
0: Yeah, like I know where I'm putting my tackle every year when I get my boat because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've done it for so long. Um, but, yeah, I've been, been very very impressed with the boat's ride. and the sp- It's just, to me, it's the best boat in, on the market as far as it it does fit your speed if you want to go fast, but it's still got the great ride, a lot of storage, big deck, you know, all those things. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times at Toledo Bend Rayburn especially the first few years running them the people would run out of their way in a parking lot and say, how does it ride in rough water? (laughs) You know, five footers, how does it do? Or if it's blowing 30 and, uh, you know, it does great. Like it's always done great, but I also tell people if it's blowing 30, you probably don't need to be running too far either on those two lakes.
1: Right. No matter what
0: boat you're in, but this boat to get you where you want to go. And, and, you know, like I said, I've been impressed with for a long time. The nine twenty one for me just fits, fits what I like. I know a lot of guys, uh, Especially, and that's what I talked to you about, Tim, about, I considered about going to the, the um, uh, now that I'm more tournament fishing than, than, uh, you know, guiding, mm-hmm. but, but I don't know if I can give up a foot of space. I think I'd miss it.
1: <laughs> no, I think you would. I remember I was trying to find the text message. We were talking and it was probably a couple of years ago. You are yeah. calling about a wheel or something and you were on a guide trip. You remember that? And you caught like a nine. You had to be like, dude, I'll call you back. You dropped the phone or something on the floor.
0: I remember something like that. I think I had uh, maybe a, a, a bad hub or something, some little something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's...
1: I was trying to find that, that picture you sent me after you caught it, but it was uh, it's like a 9.3 or 9.4 on a trip.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like, it, it's amazing the two lakes I'll, I get to fish. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. And, you know, when I get to spend the amount of time I am, those those big ones just come and go. But, yeah, I believe the... That was maybe in sixteen. I yeah, want to say probably. And the reason I remember that is because I actually I caught two over ten that week. Oh really? Yeah. That day that uh, I was on the phone with you, I caught a nine three, and of course I had customers. So a lot of times the customers, when we, we get to a spot, I'll fish a little bit, and then like if they're biting, I kind of put my rod up and help them out. Mm-hmm. But I had two really cool guys with me, and they're like wanting me to fish. So, but I caught a nine three, and the next cast I caught an eleven seven, like. Shoot. Put my rod down and like they worked them over for a little while. It was an awesome trip. You don't forget about those trips. No, yeah, I and would say so. The the following Saturday, I think that was on Tuesday. Saturday, I caught a ten something, uh, and I had my wife with me fishing a tournament. So, you know, I, I'm I'm blessed to to fish in what I think two of the best lakes in the country for big fish. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that doesn't happen every day, but but that particular year was a was a pretty special year for Toledo Bend. No,
1: that's for sure. Well we'll let you uh I don't know if you'll find any nines and tens at Neely. Hopefully you do. Yeah. But uh
0: No. I feel like if I catch two nine pounders on, on in the open here, I'm gonna get protested. Yeah. Uh for sure. Um no, I mean it's this is a, a different this is a different thing. So I'm just getting acclimated. But yeah, I appreciate you guys, you know, taking the time to visit with me and everything today. And and uh, you know, Tim, I always appreciate all you guys at Phoenix dude
1: man we appreciate you and taking some time out to chat with us and good luck to these next two opens and that last toyota
2: yeah we'll be keeping an
0: eye on you yeah thank you guys hopefully we'll keep it going
1: hopefully we'll see you at the classic buddy
0: all right buddy thank you guys again man appreciate it
1: see you, you. see you bud